0: and we're recording hey man how's it going
1: man it's going really well i have had a uh, an excellent day um
0: got a lot of work done got a chance to work out and now i'm recording a podcast nice happy early valentine's day It's like uh, two days before Valentine's Day or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I'm, uh, the plan
1: is to go and get some barbecue with my wife. We're going to go and, uh, we're going to go to the the park. We're going to have a little picnic under the star sort of thing. And then I'm going to take her to Texas Day, Brazil for lunch on Saturday. It's kind of like, um, what is it? The, uh, yeah, Brazilian steakhouse that we went to in Denver at 360 IDEF,
0: The night of meat. Yeah. Nice. One of those ones where you, you they bring a skewer or a sword full of meat, and you just peel meat off, and it's yeah. all, all you can yeah. eat. And you flip this thing over, and it's a Yeah, whole it's
1: got a red side and a green side. When the red, uh, green side is up, they will just continue to bring you meat. Like, every, every couple minutes, they bring you a different type of cut, different, you know different animal, if you will, sausage, steak, whatever. And then as soon as you get uh, you, your full, switch it to red, they'll quit. And then you can just switch,
0: switch it around the next time. And it's unlimited. It's great. Now, this sounds like an amazing thing for you. But what does your Valentine think about this idea? Um, I
1: actually asked her about that because, you know, with being uh, with pregnancy, being pregnancy, sometimes, you know, she has different things that trigger nausea. And for her, mainly, it's been meat. So that was kind of a concern of mine. <laughs> <laughs> but we went to Texas Day oh. Brazil for my birthday when she was already one month pregnant and she absolutely loved it. So she is a uh, she's probably as excited as I am to go. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, that's that's what it is in theory. We'll see how it plays out in practice. Uh, at the end of the day, they've also got cheesy bread and salads and whatnot. So I know she'll be happy, but I, I, I really want her to enjoy steak as well. So we'll see how it plays out, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. I want to hear the follow up. We'll see how this yeah, goes. they that, will be follow up for next episode. Well, yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Okay. So I was uh, listening to a talk at work the other day and it was about communication. And one of the things that they brought up was. Whenever you're creating an error message or language for your uh, your app or your website, or and and as app developers, this this will be important. Mm-hmm. We need to anticipate their questions. So if you have an error message and it's very vague, and they have and you know they're going to have questions, can you clearly define those or, or answer those questions before they even ask them in the error message or in the app notes? or on the actual settings page or wherever you need to in the app without being too wordy because you, you don't want them to, to glaze over when they see two paragraphs of text, but what can you do to anticipate their questions? And then I started thinking about this a little deeper. I can bring this into all aspects of my life. It doesn't have to just be when I'm creating an app or creating you know a website or something. Um, whenever I'm sending an email to friends or family or anything if I know they're gonna have questions, try to answer them, but then at the same time, keep everything short and simple, just very clear. Do you have any any thoughts on um error messages or or website text or what do you normally do about that
1: so it's interesting that you bring this up because this is gonna be something that I'm working on over the next few days um in regards to handling errors in an application that I'm working on, because as of right now, if an error occurs, I just redirect back to dashboard. Um, Yeah. Which is again, it's a work in progress uh, solution, but not ideal at all for you to be editing a, a item, if you will, of any type and you hit the save button, something goes wrong. You're all of a sudden at the dashboard. What happened? You don't know if that got saved to your, to your data store or not. Uh, you, you don't know what happened. All of a sudden, you're home. Maybe it worked. Maybe it didn't. So what I have done in the past is I've presented a pop-up that just said something went wrong. Please contact support. But that is also not ideal either because it makes you look bad. It makes your application look bad. Um, if you're writing
0: software for a client, it makes makes them look bad. So thinking about that. If you have to go that route where your pop-up has to say something went wrong, contact support. Yeah. If you want to anticipate their questions, one tiny thing we can do is put the phone number or email right after that question or right after that statement. That's just one tiny way to anticipate their question. And it, you're, you're ideally you wouldn't have that or you would have a much better way of handling it. But if you do have to handle it, just take a step back and think about. What's the immediate question they're going to have? If they're just going to have one, you know, it would be how to contact support in that right. scenario, or am I going to be double billed or am I going to, uh, will this, will I need to contact you to fix this or will you fix it on your side and not have, you know, am I responsible to, to initiate this or, or bring this up to you? Cause I get a lot of these error messages. And like if I'm using Gmail or something and I get a, an error message, I never tell Google that there's a problem. I just assume they're going to fix it. But if right. it's a tiny one-man shop, you know, that person, they might be done with that project to moved on. But if no one ever brings it to their attention, it'll never get fixed. So that's something else I need to think about whenever I'm doing error messages. Is this something that you need to bring to my attention or not? Or is this something that I should have already have metrics in? you know, applied so that it will be brought to my attention. I guess that's, that's probably the best way to do it is to build it so that it would tell us, but in a scenario, how would you, how would you write the
1: error message? Like, let's say something, let's get a a little bit technical real fast. Let's say that you have a, a database that has a column that requires a integer and something happens. It gets saved as a string database. throws an error. You get some. Uh, you you basically throw the error. How do you say something to the end
0: user that something went wrong, and how do you direct them from there? So I'm assuming because you have this error, whatever they're trying to do cannot be saved. It failed. Is that right? Accurate? Yes. That's yeah, accurate. I would, I would let them know. You know, and you want to make it friendly but short, but you know, very clear that this is a problem. So I would say something like, oops, or, um, we've encountered, and, and and don't, don't say error, error in all caps. No, just say like, you know, oops, we've, we've discovered a, uh, an issue or, or we've alerted, um, or we've encountered an error and have alerted um, our engineers. Um, we apologize for the inconvenience. Um, there's no action that you need to take. Um, uh, we're on it or something. But just right. Something that makes them, it feels like it's a human talking to them saying, you know, we got your back, not error code, illegal operation, 3319. Yeah. <laughs> That's scary.
1: I remember getting those in uh, old versions of Windows, like the blue screen of death. Yes. Like is the complete opposite of essentially what we're talking about. Right. Because um, uh, at least the older versions, the newer versions may have gotten better but the older versions were just you know it would just flash blue with gray text stating its error code and what you could potentially do to resolve it or you probably just need to reboot your computer honestly you know but
0: it it made windows look bad you know tj this this makes me really appreciate what we have now like how everything's has evolved and changed and updated and and you know the the operating system and and the, everything that we use on the computer now is so much better than it was before
1: Yes, most definitely. So it's interesting that you bring that up because I was listening to a book, an audio book the other day uh, called Insanely Simple, The Obsession That Drives Apple's Success. And one of the things and this was written um, not long after Steve Jobs passed away, but it brought up. Ken Siegel brings up the concept of just simplicity within the Apple ecosystem. And how Apple has always strived for simple, even so much so that they've coined the term the simple stick um, that they use within Apple, where, you know, Steve would hit people with the simple stick. If the packaging was too complicated, you'd hit them with the simple stick, send them back and keep on working on the packaging. Same with things in Mac OS and iOS. Um, and, you know, I've I was telling you earlier that I, I kind of feel bad about how much grief I've given Mac OS in The past few episodes of this show, because I've gotten a chance to spend some time with with Windows um, over the past few weeks. Um, I I also have a strawberry pie. I got a chance to to work with Linux for for a little while as well. And man, it's a whole just different world. Like, yes, it is. There's like some more freedom that you get. But Mac OS is hands down the best desktop operating system that we have. Like, if you want to inst- uninstall an app on the Mac, you know what you do? Like ninety five percent of the time, you take that app and you throw it in the trash can. <laughs> True. Now, how many steps do you think it takes to uninstall an app inside of Windows? I am just using this as one example. Just uninstalling an app, like you have to hit Start, you have to go to the Control Panel, Apps, and I think it's it's Apps and something else. Like you go you uh, program controls, something like that. I don't
0: remember the exact term. Anyway, oh, then you have to scroll now. down. Yeah, you say hey Cortana. And then she won't respond. And then you're like Cortana, (laughs) hey Cortana. And after six or seven tries, after you've you've closed the email window that popped up and all these other things, eventually she gets it. And you're like, uninstall this app. And then she's like, I don't know how to do that. And then you you (laughs) click start, and in the search box you type uninstall app. And then you're googling something now, and then you find a result on how to do it on the Mac. And it just tells you. And
1: then you, if you ever get to the point, you have to have an uninstallation wizard like an uninstall wizard where you have to like press a bunch of buttons confirming that you actually want to do this. And it's the same thing to install an app. And it's the same thing on Mac OS. You take an icon, you put it inside of your applications directory. Like, yes, yeah. I understand like all, all other podcasters and Apple bloggers who are convinced to that Apple is dying and they've lost their soul. We still have the best operating systems, both on iOS. I think iOS has gotten much, much better. Over the past few years, um, I think Mac OS has taken a little bit of the inverse. I think that it's gotten a little bit worse, but it is still amazing. You know, we've gotten dark mode. We've been asking for that. We finally got it. We got it on iOS as well. It's great.
0: You know, well, and dark mode is not just some trivial thing that you implement because the developers pick colors. And if a developer picks a version of white and the you know, the company that owns the operating system decides to add dark mode. And that if they don't have the developer's support, they will just try to change toolbar colors to a darker color or, you know, different sections of the app to a dark color and potentially breaking the colors that the developer used. And mm-hmm. Apple required the developers to opt into it, which is the best option, but. If you don't have the developers enthusiasm to adopt this new feature, you're going to live in a world like in Windows where they added all this Metro and Windows 8 full screen apps, but the developers didn't do anything and didn't adopt it. And that's why you still have these old Win32 apps that, you know, they look like they're from Windows 7 and earlier, even though Mm -hmm. the Microsoft apps were all full screen and tablet ready. So we, I, I really appreciate, you know, the other, Apple developers and just the whole ecosystem to get on board when new technologies yeah. come out.
1: Yeah. And I think that's something that the Apple community could definitely, definitely use a little bit more of. And that's like appreciation or, and or gratitude, you know, because we have, we're a little bit spoiled. Let's be honest because we, we have had the best things. We, we, we have like these AirPods, you know, best thing, best, best Apple product I've ever owned. You know, you're you're showing yours on the camera as well. Like, between AirPods and the stability of Mac OS and the ecosystem of iOS and like we have. And I think that the reason why we sometimes complain is because we love these things and we don't want them to get worse. Like we want them to to to, to continue to get better. And I think that at the end of the day, they are, even though there may be some missteps, like we still have a absolute, a, absolutely amazing ecosystem that we're in. And I love it. I've just, just been enjoying my Mac more and more. Being able to play with um what used to be called the iLife Suite. Like messing around in iMovie. <laughs> like iMovie is so cool. Yeah, you know? it is. I can make it a little is. like a little movie. I can make a trailer of some of my adventures that I had out in Colorado and I can do it super simply.
0: I find in iMovie, I make trailers more than I'll actually make a movie. And everyone who watches the trailer will be like, oh, it's so fun. And we never really want to see a 45 minute version of, you know, my trip to the zoo, but a 45 second, you know, oh, three people got into an adventure and then you see a monkey and, you know, that's yeah. always fun. And, <laughs> oh, that's but yeah, the iLife Suite is really cool. And uh, iLife Suite consisted of photos, iMovie, GarageBand. And yeah. something else? Something else. What IDVD, was
1: it? I, I believe. The IDVD do some, we don't use anymore. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, we're going to do some real-time follow-up and see exactly what was in the iLife suite. I think the last one that they released was... 2007? 2007. So, it, it compromise of iTunes, iMovie, iTunes. iPhoto, IDVD, iWeb, and GarageBand. iWeb. Yeah. IWeb the initial was cool. release was in October 1999. 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. And the last version was iLife life. 09. I, 09. Okay. Oh nine. Okay. No, no, no. iLife 11. I'm sorry.
0: Okay. That's, oh, that's... it also included the mobile me web gallery, mobile me web gallery. So that's kind of evolved. That turned into an iCloud, um, photo gallery. And it kind of got weird there for a little while. And now it's getting better, uh, recently. And this is, uh, I'm going to have a big little segue into me switching from Google's products back to some lighter weight options, um, encouraged by drafts that we keep talking about that app that you can quickly take, all, uh, take all of your notes and, and organize them for you whenever you get them. But, um, I- uh, iCloud is getting a couple new updates. The brand new version of iOS that's in uh, testing right now is going to support iCloud folder sharing. So, Right now, TJ and I have a, a folder on Google Docs or Google Drive called uh, Making Blocks Episode Show Notes or something. I think it's something like that. And we have all of our files in there, all of our, our show note files. What this will allow us to do with iCloud is we could even have a text file or anything and the same concept. We could just share the folder and then add files in there over time. The current version of iCloud doesn't support that. You can just share each file. Uh, independently, which is very tedious. If you wanted to add files on the fly, so this is a feature that that's needed to have been there for a you know many many years. And They're finally catching up. But uh, I have I have high hopes. They also updated iCloud.com, the mobile version. So now if I get my phone and I go to iCloud.com, I can see photos and notes in a much better web version. And Apple's never been good on the web, as far as uh, comparing to Google but Never. they're start they're starting to do something i'm able to see photos now i'm able to see notes um this is stuff that before i would have to download gigabytes and gigabytes to my computer to see but uh yeah now i'm going to be able to see it on the on the phone on the website
1: that's awesome i did not know that that's super cool and you know in the, in that same vein um we have we've have also given the photos app a lot of hate on mac um and it's actually really really cool because I have never had a application where I mean you do on iOS but on the Mac specifically that's just really pretty and for example I had I took a trip back I think it was in 2018 to Moab Utah with uh, a couple friends of mine and my wife and I have all these videos that we uh, from our drive and just like overlooking canyon lands and all this stuff that I've never done anything with and so I'm like I need to do something with with iMovie, or I need to take these photos and like put them up on my blog. And there was no real easy way to do that because there was like lots of duplicates, and it was trying to find when when was when exactly was it, where was it? I don't want to have to scroll through all of my photos from 2018. I just want to find those. And the uh, the Photos app on macOS lets you, it has locations. You can just click it. And it shows you everything. It shows you in the map of the United States. You can just scroll where you want to, and I was able to find a good photo and put it up on my blog like within five minutes. It was it was awesome. It's it's really nice. And the thing is, I chose to not have my computer download the full iCloud library because I wanted to save space on my MacBook.
0: Yeah, and it still works great. Yeah, it's getting better now. There was a couple years there where um, Apple was switching from. Hard drives to solid state. So our storage went from, you know, a terabyte or 500 gigabytes of space down to 64 or 128 gig. And that was like for a decade, we had these tiny drives. But yet our, fo- or our photo libraries kept getting larger and larger. And we started adding 4K video. We started adding live photos and all of these things that would just balloon um, our library. And it got to a point where you could not store your library on your. On your Mac because the drive was too small, and then in I think it was Catalina or the uh, Mojave or one of the California name versions of, of Mac OS, they added the ability to selectively sync or, or try to do some type of smart sync where it would only pull down the pictures that you're actually looking at or using, and then all of the others it would store them on iCloud and just show you the thumbnails. I was always I always had bubbles about this or I always felt uneasy because I didn't have a good way to remove them from my local machine so I would look at some things and download things or it would you know download pictures and videos because I had free space and then I would end up with just a little bit of free space so I was now I didn't have control if I wanted to download a 20 gig file but yet My machine only has nine gig of free space because the photos app decided to be smart and and cache a bunch of stuff. I didn't have a good way to remove it. And Apple's philosophy was as you need free space, it will start clearing it up for you, but it doesn't do that very fast. So in the most recent version of Catalina on the Mac, you can now go in iCloud and right click on a file and say remove, and it will remove it from your local machine, but keep it on the cloud. Again, something that Dropbox and these other apps have had for years, but it's finally getting to the point in 2020 where I can use iCloud and I can use some of these, these, uh, you know, iCloud services and and do what I want to do. I'm not, you know, my Mac's not going to get filled up with space and I'm not going to have, or if I get a phone, I don't have to dedicate 60 gig to iMessages. I can now dedicate just a couple of gigabytes and store the rest in the cloud. And then it can pull them down as needed. So it's getting better. I, I have, I, I've also been dogging it, but it's definitely getting better.
1: You know what I really want to see? What's that? I want to see, um, I
0: on the web. Okay. They can't. And I have, I have reasons why. Um, so in the most recent version of, or the most recent podcast from John Gruber, the, uh, the talk show, he was saying that I are encrypted Apple can't even read them. So you have a key that you that you use to encrypt all of your messages and Apple doesn't have that key or, or they, they store it somewhere. I think they store it somewhere, but they, I don't think they have access to it. So that's why they can't give iMessage um, data to the governments whenever they want to send a subpoena. If they give you the ability to see your iMessages on a website, you will have to enter a private key each time that you view it and it will have to decrypt it locally on your machine, or you have to just give them the key. And that means that they can get into your iMessages. So what do we want? Do we want iMessages on the web or do we want end to end encrypted messages? What do you think? Gotcha.
1: Oh, I would prefer, I I didn't even think about that, but that's true. I would prefer to have end to end encrypted messages knowing that, you know, I'm the only one who can really see them. So how does it work on the, On macOS then, because you can have the, you can have your iMessages on both your Mac and your, your iPhone or your iPad, if you will, is it not possible to have, you know, I guess create a key when you log in and you have to allow, like, you know how you get the dialogue box out says that, yes, you are allowing this device to log into your iCloud and you have to put in a six digit,
0: uh, password, you know, that, that would work. That would that would absolutely work. But you would have the local web browser would have to download the messages and index them and and create oh, true. if you want to search and things. That would all have to happen in memory on your on your device in order right. to keep it in- in encrypted. If you've ever used it. It wouldn't be a server
1: side render, that makes sense.
0: Yes. one password does something very similar where you have to enter a key if you go to the website and try to use it because it is secure. So and then Apple's not known to be or to to bring unnecessary steps in to the user. They would rather just like hold something back. So it kind of feels Apple-ish to not even give you the option rather than require you to enter a key and have you jump through all these hoops. Okay. Makes sense. Um, what else? So KonMari, the, the KonMari system is about like minimalism and, and cleaning things out. It's from Mary. I think her name's Mary Kondo. Um. So I've talked about this in the past, but like last time Megan and I followed this philosophy, we cleaned out our our closet. We would take each thing that we were done with and we would thank it and we would let it go on its way. And that allowed us to emotionally let go of, you know, some of these um, sentimental items or or things that, you know, I'm not going to ever wear that jacket again, but I could never get rid of it because Uncle Jim gave it to me you know and so i'm going to store it in my closet forever uncle jim doesn't care at all um, but i <laughs> i feel guilty you know getting rid of it but this you know gave me the freedom to get rid of you know and thin some stuff out so she's recently posted something about doing this digitally so i was reading this article and i was like yeah this is it so i'm now deleting emails i haven't deleted an email in like a decade i just archive everything And so now I have a hundred thousand plus email just sitting in my all mail folder. I can search and find anything, but I very rarely search. But if I ever get a new device, I got to download all thousand to the device. And just, I have to keep up with this, this mess. And so I, between using drafts and, you know, thinking about this, this cleaning things out, I'm, I'm deleting stuff. I'm, I have this, this sense of freedom now. And what I found is if someone emails you and says, you know, I need this document from 2006 and, you know, and I'll spend, you know, 45 minutes finding it, I'll find it. And it'll be something that we could have just recreated in less time than it took me to search for it. Now mm-hmm. there, there could be important things like not everything you can recreate on the flyer, get someone else to fix for you. And those type of things, when you, you, you know what they are, when you get them, whenever I get a, um, uh, an email from Apple when I bought my new computer. That is an email I want to save, or that is a receipt I want to save. That's not something I'm going to delete. So Mary uh, the yeah, Mary Kondo has a thing where basically you have a couple folders. One folder is called Important Documents. That's stuff that you have to keep, but you you know it doesn't bring you joy. And then you have another folder of you know stuff that does bring you joy or you do like. And you have a third folder called inbox and you throw everything in there and you have to have this, this discipline to go through at a weekly cadence or, you know, some, some, um, repeatable time and go through and review it and clean it all out and, and move it to the proper folder, delete it, thank it for, you know, it's time. Um, it it just, this review period. And so I've been doing this, um, all of the folders on my machine now are completely clean or they will be as soon as I do my next review and it's just giving me some freedom. And now I have a couple of folders that have a lot of stuff in them and I could sit there and go through this, this folder that brings me joy or this important documents folder. And I could spend hours tediously organizing things in a folders and labeling them and doing all this stuff. But what I'm finding is search is pretty good. You could just search for stuff.
1: So, this is something that
0: I've been thinking about
1: as well. Um, I cleaned off my desktop just – I think it was yesterday. I started to notice that when I'm working and I have things I need to keep uh, like keep track of or files that I just need to download really fast and share with someone, I always end up putting it on my desktop. And my desktop ends up getting super, super cluttered. And then after a while, I get the feeling like I can't breathe because <laughs> it's, it's just chaos everywhere. Um, yes. And I'm starting to get to the point where I I do want to get rid of these, like, miscellaneous files that I don't exactly know what to do with. Like, my iCloud drive. Like, I know I keep important stuff in there, but I couldn't really tell you exactly what is in there right now. Like, there's a bunch of just um, – there's just some black boxes that need to be
0: sorted through. You know? Okay. You have a – what's the equivalent of an inbox folder, which may be Mm -hmm. the root of your iCloud and it just has stuff in there. And so what your next step is to review it, go through and clean it out and then you're done. Um, Your, your downloads folder do the same thing. Your desktop do the same thing. Whenever I have a temporary project or something that I definitely know that I'm going to throw away. So for Mm -hmm. example, in Xcode, If I want to test some code, I'll make a new project or I'll make a playground and I will name it whenever I first make it, I will name it, delete me if you see me. And then I will go on and do my thing. And then if I'm ever on my computer and I look at my desktop and I see something that says, delete me if you see me or delete me, I just can delete it because I haven't touched it in the last 30 seconds. It says, delete me. And I have this, you know, this thought in my mind, whenever I create things that if they say, delete me, I'm definitely going to trash them. And that's also given me freedom. Um, whenever I create projects now, I just, I know they're going to be deleted. I know that they're not going to just litter the device forever. And, you know, I'm not going to keep them just because it's, a, it's freedom.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause you might
0: use that someday. <laughs> yeah. And if you do copy it into drafts, you know, exactly. in the moment, right before you're about to close it, copy the important things over and then close it
1: makes sense. Now, what do you do for your downloads folder? Because uh, the downloads folder for me is an interesting one because I, I'm i constantly adding to it. You know, I'm, I'm downloading stuff all the time and it's just continuing to grow and grow and grow. Do you just
0: have it auto delete after no. a week or something? Definitely or even, no. What do um, you do? Okay. So in your, your cadence, whenever it's time to review, maybe it, you look down at your dock and you see the trash cans full. Whenever I see the trash cans full. I right click on it. I hit delete. And then I my, my normal process is I immediately click on the downloads folder and I see it's full of all kinds of stuff. So I open it up. I sort it by, you know, date added or recently used or something. So the oldest stuff is at the bottom. And then I just look at that old stuff and I'm like, it's definitely been a while since I used it. And if it was super important, I would have moved it. And I just go from the bottom to the most recent, just deleting things. And if there's something that's, you know, I've added 30 minutes ago that I'm going to use today. I'm not going to remove it, but I feel better if I've rem- at least removed half of it because I removed stuff from last week.
1: That makes sense. That makes sense. Are you saying you do
0: that for the trash can? No, or trash can, your- I just wipe out. Uh, that's okay, just that's the, the downloads folder. Right, and for, the, if it's in the, the
1: trash can for me, it's like all right. Well, then I'm just going to just empty the trash. I'm not going to sort through that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. And at the you know at the, at the end of the day, or if, if my desktop gets full, I'll do the same thing. Just go through and delete things. A- another interesting idea. Um, if though well, this one's kind of like a bankruptcy option. If you have a bunch of stuff that you think you're going to need but you don't need, you could put everything in a folder called "Delete Me" on. August 7th or, you know, something three months out and on that day, delete the folder. Cause if you need it before then you will move it out. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, the thing is
1: we can also do this on iOS. Um, and this is something that I did end up doing, uh, probably about three weeks ago. And I'm getting to the point where I should probably do it again, where, I will end up having, I think I had six or seven pages of apps because I don't really use folders that much. I probably have like one or two folders. I have like a folder for my social media applications. I have a direct, like a folder for basic utilities that come with iOS. Um, But I, I, yeah, I believe I had six and I ended up condensing it down to three, three pages, not including, I, I use the, um, the feature in iOS where you can move all the icons off the first page and oh, just that's awesome. have yeah so i i that makes it look super clean and then from there i can go to my you know my next page so not including that one I had three pages of apps um uh, and, and it's just so easy to you know oh i need to go and get a haircut, a haircut. i'm going to install the sports Clips app and you know make a reservation and then that sports clip app stays around for forever i'm going to go and order a subway sandwich so you download the subway app and you make place an order and then it's just there you know and you don't really you, you don't need that hanging around. You right. used it for one thing. It can go right. away. And I'm right. finding that it's so easy to just continue to install apps, install apps, install apps to the point where you, you have no mental clarity when you are on your phone because there, there's just apps all over the place. So if if any of the listeners you know want to make your life a little bit simpler, go and delete more apps than you think that you actually need to. And it'll make make things a lot simpler.
0: And TJ, I just posted a picture of my home screen on my phone in our show notes, and I'll share this with the listeners. But what I figured out is I will use search for everything. If the sports, uh, what would you call it? great clips or sports clips or yeah, your sports clips? Place. Yeah, I have a folder called Money, probably, and that's anything to do with shopping. So anything that you know has to do with that type of stuff, I call it money. And I put it in a folder with an emoji of some color. So I, I in this scenario, I have like a, a green square emoji and then the word money. And then anytime I need that app, and I don't care what page it's on inside that folder, I will go search for it. And whenever you're searching on the iPhone, next, just to the right of the name of the app, it will have um, the folder name. And because I have green... A green emoji there, I immediately, I don't even have to read the word money. I just know it's in the green folder. So when I go to my home screen, I see the green folder and I only have like eight folders on the home screen, like productivity home, which home would have anything to do with like a sprinkler system or, um, car insurance or cameras or, you know, anything for the home money, anything, shopping wallets, banking, that's stuff, travel. That's, you know, anything with, um, Hotel searching or um, airlines or anything to do with traveling. Uh, I, and then I have several like, of things I'm doing. Like Listen, which will have like podcasts and Audible and music. And then I'll have Video, which I'll have Netflix and stuff. Read, it'll have like uh, Kindle and News and Wikipedia and Bible or wh- whatever you're going to read with. And then Talk. Social media apps go there. And that's it. Like That's... Those are my folders. Uh, I keep a couple apps on the home screen, like mail files, weather calendar, just Mm -hmm. the basic stuff. But I don't have that anxiety now of where do I put, um, the great clips app? Where do I put, um, the subway app? I I don't really care if, if you really don't care delete it, but if you do really think you're going to need it, throw it Mm -hmm. in one of the, the categories and just search for it. Yeah, that makes sense. Easy turn off, easy enough. I like that. Turn off well. the badges. Um because you, you probably don't need push notifications and stuff for the subway app, or maybe you do, but turn off definitely turn off the badges so you don't have folders with you know a folder that says it has like 4,000 unread items because you know Subway had six of them and Twitter had eighteen. You know, most of the time you don't need those.
1: Right. That's another thing. I find freedom in turning notifications off for more apps. Because I find that we are inundated with notifications from things that we, at the end of the day, most of us probably don't care about. Um, so if that's the case, just get rid of them and just have notifications for the
0: apps that you do care about. Um, the, ne- yeah. the next time that you get a Subway pop-up in uh, the new version of iOS, iOS 13, I think you can like swipe on it or you can long long press or something on the notification and there's an option that pops up that says deliver quietly. So when you mm-hmm. get that annoying message, just start delivering it quietly. And then you don't have to worry about, or, you know, go into settings and, and uh, turn that off. I I do the same thing in email with junk mail. Uh, If I get an email that comes in my inbox and it wasn't filtered, but it's a newsletter or something I don't want. And there's an unsubscribe link. I will probably click the unsubscribe link years ago. That was a a no, no because they would turn around and sell those uh, lists of emails that clicked unsubscribe to other spammers. I don't have a problem anymore. I used to have a problem, but it's pretty good now. So Mm -hmm. I just unsubscribe from everything. Yeah. That makes sense too. I have found
1: that I am subscribed to way more than I initially thought that I was. (laughs) Yes. Same thing. It's like just subscribed, just gave my email out like, like candy to so many different companies. And, um, like I, I used to get tons and tons and tons of email every day. I've gotten to the point where I, I have I'm unsubscribing from as many things as I possibly can because like I, I want I want less email. I don't want more email.
0: Correct. Eh, email is like a to do list. And if as you subscribe to more and more things, you're saying yes to other people. So how do you how do you get your time back? You start saying no to people. You start mm-hmm. um, setting up rules to automatically filter those requests and those to do's into other folders or just archive them um you probably don't need all of those emails from git telling or uh, from uh, um jira or asana or you know any uh, confluence or any of these apps that are spamming you with every little change um may- maybe you do but most people don't and your inbox gets flooded with these things
1: yes most definitely so in the time that you said that i have been able to, I just opened my email out of curiosity because I was just like, how many emails do I have? So, as of right now, I have 2,967 emails in my inbox.
0: What? <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> I'm about to declare bankruptcy again. I think I've declared bankruptcy probably five, six, seven times where I just take it all and I just dump it into a folder called um, pre-February 2020. Right. And then just start over with inbox zero and just try to unsubscribe from as many things as I possibly can. Do you Um, have anything in there that that's good? I, the thing is, I don't know. (laughs) That's why I like being able to search for it. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. It gives Um, you that freedom. Yeah. It gives me the freedom because if I ever need to be able to get back to it, I can, but how do I know if there's anything important? I have no idea, you know?
0: I do the, I have so much email. My text messages get like this too. I have text messages from 2012 that it's like a a conversation I had with several people or like a group conversation, or maybe it's a one-on-one. But if I haven't looked at it in eight years, I can delete it. Like there's a chance that there might be a picture or something in there. Um, Stay in the habit. Whenever you get a picture in in a text message chain, save it. If you really want it, if you don't want it, you know, text, treat text messages as very uh, ephemeral or, or yes. temporary. Don't, you know, don't treat them like your email, which we've been lazy and just keep everything. Treat text messages like they're temporary. If it's really good, take a screenshot or save it into drafts, but don't, you know, don't use your text messages to search and find things. And, and we all do it, but Get out of that habit. If someone sends you an address, save it. Um, and I have the problem now with Slack and uh, Discord, and I have all of these messaging apps. And people are putting things everywhere. And the other day, I was asked, "Can you find a, a picture of you know what we thought this part of the app was going to look like?" It's like I I don't know. I don't know which app we were in whenever we were looking at it. I don't know. I don't have no clue where where to even go. And so mm-hmm. I'll spend thirty minutes searching these five different. Yeah. data places and, you know, never find the thing I'm looking for. Um, we, I, I, we all have to get better. We can't let yeah um, these things. I think be. it's a
1: good lesson to learn to that. Email is not hard
0: drive. It is not your documents yeah. folder. Yeah. You know, it's so if very go back ephemeral. To, go back to our KonMari method. Um, have an inbox folder Throw If you think you're going to need that thing, throw it in there or drafts or something. And then Review it every once a week or find your, your cadence, but review it. And at that moment, put it, in, you know, either thank it for its service and delete it or put it in the important documents or, you know, the folder that you, you have some things for work, something that you have to keep, you know, go ahead and, and sort it, do something with it, but don't keep it everywhere. You're never, you're never going to be organized. It's, it's going to be tough.
1: Yeah. And it's not going to be worth it. And you're going to be more stressed and who needs more stress. Exactly. Let's do our picks of the week, man. Okay. Go for it. All right. So, my pick of the week, um, and, you know, it's kind of funny that it is Valentine, the pre-Valentine's Day episode, is an app called Lasting. Um, The interesting thing about Lasting, and it is not meant to replace a marriage counselor, but it is essentially a marriage counselor (laughs) in an app. (laughs) Um, And what's really cool is that you and your spouse work on it in a collaborative fashion. So you can start a track about a specific thing. So say like everybody has like your introductory track and then like the probably the most popular track is a track on conflict. Mm. Um, how, how do you manage it? What does it look like? How do you uh, another track might be feelings? Another track might be like understanding how your you and your, you know your spouse grew up so that they can see like the differences in how you were raised and how that affects decisions that you make today um and i i mean it's, it's about 10 dollars a month for a lasting subscription and that works for both yourself and your spouse you, it's connected um and yeah it's just it's me and my wife have been using it it's just made us have discussions that we probably never would have had before because it just it it just Asks difficult questions and it has us both answer them and then we can go back and I can see her answers and she can see mine. And so we can then go back and discuss it. Um I've just never had an app do that before uh, or uh, I've never even thought of the concept of a marriage counseling app. And it's, it's great. I love it. Definitely give that give that five stars out of five.
0: It makes me think of that, that game show, like was it Newlywed Game or something, where your your spouse or you would um, write down or answer a question about what you think they would think, and then they would come out and, mm. and show their answer. I'm just imagining a game like that. That
1: yeah, yeah, it's kind of similar, except it asks how you think about something, like a mm-hmm. very very interesting, like a very thoughtful question. Uh, and then has your spouse do the same thing. And then at the end of like the track uh, session, you can hit compare answers and see how you both answered that question. Nice. nice. It's okay, pretty much cool. right. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool.
0: My pick of the week is pretty, pretty quick, pretty simple. Uh, it's called love pop This, I think it was backed on shark tank, but this is a a website that has a bunch of greeting cards but they're all like kind of like origami they're like very intricate you can open them up and you see a scene but it all like pops out and so I It was last year, the year before for Christmas. I ordered a bunch of them, uh, and then I sent them out to everybody in the family. And everybody got a different card. So someone got a card that you'd open up and you'd see a Christmas tree, and then another one you'd open up and you'd see a uh, you know reindeer and a sled, and another one you'd open up and you'd see a dinosaur with a Christmas hat or something. It was just a bunch of different themed cards, and they have a bajillion of them now. It's too late if you are listening to this because thanks or uh, Valentine's Day is in like two days, but next year. (laughs) Look at those pop cards. It's awesome. I love it. Nice. Okay, man. I have no idea what time it is. I don't know where my watch is. (laughs) And podcasting is still hard.
1: Good night, man. Good night, man.